10, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. Let's have good singing in the opening hymn. Uh, a little bit down in numbers, you're going to have to sing out twice as well tonight.
we bow together, seek the Lord in prayer, call upon his name for his help and blessing tonight. Our gracious God and Father in heaven, it is a note of victory as we come to God's house tonight and sing a hymn like this. To be able to sing about redemption, the great work that our God came to do in the person of Christ. He blessed thee afresh for redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of God's grace. We meet here because of redemption. We stand upon redemption ground. It's the grounds of peace and acceptance with God. We have no other way of approach than by the blood of Christ. We have no other thing or person to, to plead about the blood and the righteousness of our dear Savior. And Lord, it is through the blood that we come and meet here for a gospel service. Thank thee for the weekend that we've had and for your blessing upon the preaching of your word, the various reports that we've heard. We praise thee for the great commission of going into the world to preach the gospel. We rejoice in those who were not, not disobedient to the heavenly vision that God gave to them, just as the Apostle Paul, the great New Testament missionary preacher was. He went at the call of God. He was not disobedient. He spoke about that. And Lord, you blessed his labors. Think of sinners converted, the churches that were founded and established, people of God that were built up through his ministry, both in the times when he visited them and in the letters that were written to them. We know that Paul had the care of all the churches, and we know that he he felt for them every day of his ministry. And Lord, we're glad for our modern-day missionaries and those that we know and those particularly that have left our own denomination to go to various places in the world to reach the teeming multitudes, many of them without a true knowledge of God. There are places in the world where the name of Jesus is not known, where the gospel of Christ has never been presented. And Lord, we're glad about those contacts that we have in the mission field that are seeking to reach the new tribes, that are seeking, Lord, to bring unto Christ those that have never heard that message of saving grace. Bless them in their labor and what they seek to do. And Lord, we know there are others and they've gone to countries where false religion reigns. And as they seek to present the gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation to be found in him alone, Lord, may they be blessed in their preaching. As they cry, neither is there salvation in any other. We pray that there will be those who will come to know this Christ that we have trusted in. And Lord, may the thousands come from the nations of the world as thou hast promised. Every nation, tongue, kindred, and people will be gathered home at last. And even now, John was able to see it 2,000 years ago, gathered around the throne of heaven. All the nations of the world represented there. And Lord, we pray that our missionaries therefore will be blessed and there are others that 
need to obey the call. And Lord, your word has gone out this weekend. May there be those who will take up the challenge and, and go. May they hear that word in a way they've never heard it before. Coming to them so personally and effectually and powerfully that they will know it's God speaking to them. Go ye. And may they obey. We pray that you'll bless here at home, on the home front, as we seek to be a witness just where we are. Each member of this congregation going out into their families, into their communities, into the workplace, into school, and representing the Lord, living the life before our fellow man, but not only living the life, but presenting the gospel. You've told us to preach the word, to be a witness unto the Lord. Make that message that we seek to proclaim every day effectual. And may sinners be drawn. You know that those that were particularly burdened for in our own families, give us household salvation, Lord. Answer that prayer soon. Bless us tonight here. And remember those that are absent from us. We think of Phil and Tracy down visiting Alex tonight. We do pray for his recovery, that you'll touch him, Lord, and mend him in body, raise him to health and strength again. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Very warm word of welcome uh, to you tonight as you come to God's house to be with us here. We have certainly had a good weekend for the Missionary Council, and uh, we've been blessed listening to the reports and hearing God's word presented to us. And we trust there will no blessing that will follow. If you're listening in tonight on the internet through one of these means, Sermon Audio, Facebook or YouTube, we particularly welcome you. And as always, we want you to feel part of the family here at Hebron. May you be blessed just where you are. Good to see Lyle and Heather. They were at the mission weekend. They've lingered on up here in the north coast just for a few days break. Do remember them? As you know, Lyle has come home from the land of Spain, having served the Lord for 36 years there. I can remember when he first went out, 1986, and uh, the first opportunity that we had to go and visit, and then the many visits that subsequently followed. I can remember on one occasion, oh, it's 26, 27 years ago, maybe more, when one of the first minibuses, if not the first, was driven out. Someone in Lurgan had donated uh, a Mazda van and uh, it was turned into a minibus with side pews, the side seats up, up the back and that did them for quite a while uh, it wasn't the right side uh, it was the right side where you drove but uh, it was the left, left side is what they needed so that was a wee bit difficult, difficult uh, negotiating the roads, driving a car from the UK and Spain but they managed anyhow and the Lord blessed them since, and other vehicles were, were got. Remember that first building that they had to move from in Bess, the Segura? And then they met in Lionel Heather's home for quite a while before moving to Curticus Nuevas. We went there with a youth group. We had a youth camp. It was not just an enjoyable time with young people, but it was an outreach time. And we went to various places, uh, preaching the word, giving out tracts, and Curticus Nuevas was one. And I know things have changed since then, but they were shouting, come and start a church here. And that's what happened. But all those that came or shouted out, come and start a church, didn't come to the meetings. 
as we, we thought they might. But a work was done over the years and sinners were converted, families blessed, and we trust that under the ministry of Alejandro that the work will continue to grow and go forward and be owned of God. So Lyle and Heather, good to see you tonight. May the Lord bless you and others that have joined with us. There will be refreshments this evening and uh, we trust that you'll stay, enjoy a time of fellowship, the one with the other. If I can run through the announcements with you Tuesday night is our youth challenge, just a few more before they break off for the year. Uh, remember this ministry, we indicated that we had a tremendous meeting last Tuesday night with so many new children coming in and we're thankful to those children who made an effort to bring some friends. Thursday night is the midweek service and we want to make it a special report on the Ukrainian project that we've been involved in here in this church over the past seven months or so. And the pastor uh, will give his testimony. He will have an interpreter, Anna, in the will of God will be there to translate uh, so that we can have full understanding of what he's saying. It is our missionary night and so therefore we will be praying especially for missionary work. Friday is the final youth fellowship of this year. The following Friday night is the Christmas dinner. So this one, young people, is for you. Eight o'clock, it'll begin with a barbecue. And then the Lord's Day begins with prayer at eight o'clock. Sunday school, 10.30. The Bible class at a quarter to 11. And then the worship service, 12 noon. You'll remember last Sunday morning, we began a message, a Remembrance Day message, and we come to part two this coming Lord's Day. Gospel meeting at seven, preceded by the time of prayer. And again, thank you for your tithes and offerings. It's Missionary Council and School Covenant today, and next week is the Home Mission Outreach. Church dinner, I didn't get looking at the list this morning, but the names are filling fast. Just to remind the seniors, as we said this morning, it's free for you and half price for the Youth Fellowship members because we have combined this uh, with their dinner and therefore they, they normally get their dinner free. Uh, but because we're going to a hotel, there is a, a charge and we're going to subsidize that for our Youth Fellowship members by 50%. We mentioned the Covenanters trip this year. It's, it's different than normal, not going to Scotland for two or three days, but this is to the land of revival, the island of Lewis. I want to thank Mervyn for uh, putting work into this, getting it organized. The dates are the 8th through to the 12th of May, and you can see Mervyn or Christine about that. We are praying for Alex for his recovery. Please continue to do that. Don't want to be repetitive, but we're, we're thinking about these two that have moved back to the land of Ukraine, and Thursday night was our farewell, really, for them. Special prayer was offered as they traveled, and we said goodbye to them just there on Friday. And this is a photograph of them journeying home, and they have arrived safely back in Ukraine. We're glad to be able to report that. We had mentioned this uh, pallet project, the most recent one. Some of you were in here at the church and you helped pack these boxes and have now arrived safely. And this was a distribution day during the past week. And we mentioned also to you this morning the chicken coop project. This is Stefan on the left side 
And, uh, well, the rest is self-explanatory. For all you country people, you know what a chicken coop looks like. And you know what the ones in the right hand look like too. Twenty hens uh, Stefan has. And that will help his family, of course. And we did the live link up with him. And he gave us a tour. I want you to pray for what happened during the weekend. That the ministry of the word will be owned and blessed of God. And all the reports that we heard. And for Pastor Ebenezer Nombre. Who has celebrated 16 years ministry in this place getting the congregation there together for a photograph that was sent to me today. Um, he mentioned about uh, Yuri getting married yesterday. And so pray for this young man in the army as he's found himself a wife that the Lord will bless them uh, together in married life and protect and keep him in his service. We sing together 643 as our next hymn, I Have a Saviour. He's pleading in glory, a dear loving Savior, though earth friends be few, and now he is watching in tenderness o'er me. And we can truly say in our hearts, and oh, that my Savior were your Savior too. That's how we feel. I, I know that's how so many Christians feel here tonight. Oh, that my Savior were your Savior. If you're not saved tonight, we would love Christ to be yours as well. I want you to think about the hymn as we sing it together. And please know we're praying for you.
Just one other little announcement to make, and many of you will know the Sloan family that labor for the Lord in Ukraine. They are missionaries from Coleraine, from the Gospel Hall, and they, of course, elected to stay there and continue with their ministry. And they're very busy. I'm told that correspondence is, is not frequent because they're just so busy they can't do that. But as well as their usual gospel work and the daily care of the children in need, they are currently offering free hot meals for children, uh, pensioners, and members of the security forces. So that's just a wee update that I was given uh, this morning. And do continue to pray for these folks. We know that many are coming in uh, nowadays to hear the word. Some are coming to get uh, some bread, just some food to keep them going. But in coming, they're listening to the gospel and we hear of many conversions. And the pastor was telling us on Friday night, and he'll probably relate something of this on Thursday evening, that with the war and the exodus of people, it took a lot of people out of the country. Over half his congregation came here. Some of the churches that he mentioned were left with just four members. But he said today there's about 150 attending some of those churches that were left with just four because of the war. So even out of evil, God has brought good and he's done it for his glory. I want you to turn to Matthew 23. I'm going to read just a few verses at the end of the chapter from verse 34 to 39 to the end of the chapter. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify. And some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Bacharias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That's a prayer. Almighty God, we continue in your presence here in the house of the Lord tonight. And now around your word, we, we seek your face in prayer afresh. Simply to pray for the blessing of God upon the preaching of your word. We rejoice that Jesus is coming again. And there will be that day when 
there will be that cry, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, and he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. We pray as we think upon this passage of Scripture tonight that that will help us just for this little time to focus our attention, to give our hearts over to your word, defeat the devil who would seek to take our attention away. He would call our thoughts to a thousand other things, but Lord, help us to be focused. Help us to know the the seriousness of this moment in your word. And we pray for divine power to rest upon this gathering. O Holy Spirit, sent into the world as the blessed comforter, to be the teacher and instructor, not only of your people, but Lord, even to speak to the unconverted. For when he has come, he shall reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is thy ministry in the hearts of sinners. Lord, may we know it now. May we feel it within all of our hearts. Help me to preach your word for Jesus' sake. Amen. I want particularly to draw your attention to the words of verse 37. This cry, the Savior's sorrowful cry over sinful men. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings? And ye would not. These words that we have read together this evening are the last words that fell from the lips of Jesus Christ in his public ministry. He passes sentence upon Jerusalem and he foretells of its ruin. All the verses prior to these final verses are words of condemnation upon the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Woe after woe, if you're familiar with this 23rd chapter of Matthew's Gospel, is pronounced upon the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes and the hypocrites, as Jesus called them. Eight times over, at least, this sentence uh, is at the beginning of what the Lord has to say. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. Christ has passed his sentence upon these blind and false shepherds. And that sentence was the damnation of hell. Very solemn. The last words of the chapter inform us of what became of the blind followers especially. Those who followed these leaders. These people had listened to the false lies of their teachers. They had sat under the ministry of them who didn't know the Lord. And they adhered to a message that could not save them. And by and large, the mass majority of the people, they turned away from Christ. They refused him as Savior. They trampled under their feet his love and grace and compassion. And they disbelieved the message that he brought. But yet his hand of mercy was stretched out still. That's amazing. After all the rejection, after all the refusal, yet the hand of Christ was still towards these people. Soon he would go to the cross. He would lay down his life. He would 
be put to death for the people of that city and by the people of that city. But the invitation was still one of grace. Look at the opening part of verse 34. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. After his resurrection, the Lord made this promise good, and he did send preachers to them. He sent his disciples, first of all, to this very city, to Jerusalem, for that was the order of the Great Commission. As you know, it was to begin. The presentation of the gospel was to begin right here in this city. As Christ ponders the city of Jerusalem with all its sin, with all its rejection, with all its coming doom, he begins to lament in his mighty heart. In fact, our text is one of the, the sadder, saddest utterances in all the book of God. Here, Jesus Christ, the mighty Son of God, he breaks down. Infinite compassion leaps forth from his aching heart. It's the language of, of deep sadness and divine tenderness as he mourns over a lost, perishing city. His words shed light on a mysterious subject. It shows us that Christ has feelings of pity and mercy for many who are not saved and for some who will run headlong into their own destruction. We observe the infinite willingness of Jesus Christ to save, and yet the sinful obstinacy of men who refuse to be saved. Our Savior weeps over sinners. He desires to redeem them. He yearns and he longs to, to show the mercy, but they would not. Here's a word for those who have spurned the call of the gospel often, who have walked away from grace again and again and again, who have willfully refused to receive the mercy that he offers. And tonight, stand on the brink of eternal ruin and destruction. I want you to see the Savior's sorrow over sinful men as we have it here in this text of Scripture. Well, you notice with me, first of all, that there's a pleading cry here. And it's in the words of Christ when he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This is a word of, of sympathy, compassion, and love. It's a word of emphasis and, and brokenness. Just a day or two before this, he had wept over the city. You remember the words that are recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke in the chapter 19. Let me read them to you. They're worth reading. It's the great triumphal ride of Christ into the city, and the crowds have gathered together to hail him as the king. And this is how the account in Luke reads. Verse 36 of chapter 19. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way, and when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And they answered and said unto them, I tell you, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Then I want you to mark what is recorded in verse 41. It says, when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it. I've often tried to picture that scene. It's a scene of triumph. It's a scene of jubilation. I can picture it in my mind's eye from the streets of Jerusalem, from the homes come these people together, thousands of them, to hail Christ. They hear that he's coming to their city. They go out to meet him. And it is, as I've said, the triumphal ride of Christ into the city of Jerusalem. They're crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh. They hail him as the king. They rejoice in his coming into their city. But the Lord Jesus is not so much taken up with all this jubilation and joy and this multitude crying. No, as he comes into sight of the city, and I can see him coming down the descent of that mountain. And when the city of Jerusalem comes in view and he begins to think of the people who lived there, the inhabitants of that city, the Bible says he wept over it. And it's just a few days before what I've read to you tonight in Matthew 23, and here he's weeping again. He's shedding tears again. He's crying and groaning over this city again. His love had been upon that place. His desire had been towards it. His heart felt for the people. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. What a note of sadness and, and of tenderness. And I want you to note the city that he came to. I want you to think just for a moment or, or two about this place that he weeps over. It's a place of religious privilege. This city was chosen above all others. There was no city on earth like the city of Jerusalem. We know that. When we think of all the cities of the world, this one was specially chosen. When we think of all the cities in the Holy Land, this one was especially chosen. It narrowed right down to this one place. And throughout the Scriptures, it is given various titles. It is called the City of God. It is called the city of the great king, the city of truth, the holy city, the joy of the whole earth. And God put his name there and he sent his prophets there and he sounded out the gospel within the walls of that city and he saved a multitude of souls from that place. A religious place indeed, religious privilege. And as I think about that, there's some application for you tonight, I'm sure, because you are in a place of religious privilege too. Oh, you're not in Jerusalem. You're not in the city of God. It's not the holy city that you're living in. Money doesn't come anywhere near it, even though we love this place. But it is a city or a town blessed of God, we have to say, as many of our cities and towns are in Northern Ireland. I think of some of these places where we send missionaries and we're praying that God will raise up and send other missionaries 
to places where the gospel is hardly known or maybe not known at all. We can't say that about Balamoni. Through the years, through the decades, the gospel has been preached in this place. As is the case of many towns in Northern Ireland, Christ is known, Christ is visited, the gospel has been presented, sinners have been converted. We have known revival in this very town. We have known great preachers who have visited this town in the past. And you have been in a place of privilege, haven't you, when it comes to true religion and gospel preaching? You're not in ignorance. You're not in darkness at all. It was not only a place of religious privilege. It was a place of rejection. He came unto his own and his own received him not, the Bible tells us as we're introduced to Christ by the gospel writer John and the incarnation, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. This is one of the things that that John draws attention to right from the beginning of the Lord coming into the world, came onto his own, his own people, came onto his own city, the city of God, and they received him not. The inhabitants of Jerusalem, they rejected him. They refused to turn to him. Shortly, the people who had hailed him, coming out in their thousands to line the streets, who had glorified in him, who had honored him in such a way, who had praised his great name, they would cry for his execution. Crucify him. This is the place that Jesus is weeping over, a city that rejected him, And I wonder, am I speaking to someone here tonight or maybe somebody listening in on the internet and this is you with all the religious privilege that you have. You are rejecting the Lord. You've done it time and time and time again just like the people of this city. There's also a place of ruin. It was going down to hell. Jerusalem was under the shadow of death. We have to say that the judgment of God was looming over that place. Sudden destruction was imminent. Soon many of her citizens would be swept into the great eternity, into hell itself. But the great problem is she didn't know it. She didn't know her danger. Didn't know what was coming. And it's difficult to warn men of their peril, especially when they're not sensible to that danger And they're not concerned in their soul. My, if the people of Jerusalem knew the destruction was coming and their city was going to be destroyed and the thousands, tens of thousands would be murdered, maybe they would have sat up and they would have listened to what the prophets of God had to say and what the disciples of Christ had to say. But they didn't know it. Maybe that's you tonight. You're under the doom and destruction of Almighty God, and you're going down to the sides of, the he- of hell, but you haven't really understood that. You haven't wakened up to the reality of your eternity, what it is for a soul to die without Christ and to go out into the darkness of a lost eternity forevermore. You want to learn from this passage of Scripture. No wonder Jesus Christ sorrowed for it lifted up his voice on this occasion. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. There's a pleading cry. But there is a particular condemnation. 
Look at our text. In verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. Jerusalem was the religious capital. It was there that the Sanhedrin sat, the governing body of the Jewish religion. Those 70 men sat in this city to, to govern. It was there above all other places that decisions were made to condemn and sentence the prophets of God. Jesus already said, if you look back there in verse 34, that he was going to send prophets and wise men and scribes. Listen to what the rest of the text informs us about. And some of them ye shall kill and crucify. Some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. Prophets and preachers raised of God to deliver his word were ill-treated. We can name some, can't we? When you think of the the history of Acts chapter 7 and chapter 8. Chapter 7, really, where we, we read about the demise of Stephen. He's been called the first Christian martyr and how he made a witness in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the Jewish authorities, a witness to Christ, preached the gospel to them, elevated the Lord Jesus Christ as to who he really was, and it irritated them. It made them angry in so much that they dragged him outside the city and they stoned him to death. Jesus said that would happen. Think of Stephen. Think of James. Run in by the sword. In Acts chapter 12, where we find Herod takes the brother of John and he kills him, murders him. We think of others too that we read about. We go on to read in history about about Peter. We know about the sufferings of Peter in the Scriptures. We find about the deaths of Peter in history, reputed to be crucified upside down because he felt so unworthy to be crucified in the same position as his Lord and Savior. And they did that to many more, as we know, (coughs) many times over. Now, you may not reject the gospel to this extent, and stone the preacher. My life may not be just in that danger yet, but we don't know what the future has in store as evil days come upon us more and more. But each time you turn away from the Word of God, I want to say to you that you stone the gospel and you kill every opportunity that God gives to you to be saved with the same deliberate opposition You shut Christ out of your life. And you cry in the very depths of your heart, away with him. I will not have this man to reign over me. And your rejection is just the same as these people. And you fight against the Holy Spirit of God that works in your heart and brings conviction. You stifle that conviction. You say no to God and no to Christ and no to the working of the Spirit. You murder the feeling of your heart every time. And so as the Lord has particular condemnation for these people because they stoned those that brought the message. So, my friend, you're under the condemnation of God for your rejection 
and for the murder of every opportunity given. Notice in the words of Christ, <clears throat> there is a persistent call. Jesus says, how often would I have gathered thee? Well, to mark the word often, showing to us very clearly that the Lord is saying, many, many times I give you opportunity. Jerusalem was not in ignorance. Frequent were her opportunities. Many prophets preached within her gates. Christ himself often came there and and he preached, and he did mighty works. You know, the Lord has raised up preacher after preacher in this land to go to you and to present the gospel to you. He has sent Christian after Christian to be a witness to you and to tell you about the Savior. He has given you message after message after message. Isn't that so? He has issued warning after warning. You cannot say that you have not been told. If you were to say that tonight, it would be a downright lie. You have been told often, to use the word of the Savior, how often and how often would the Lord have gathered you tonight? Jesus has knocked repeatedly. He doesn't desire your ruin or your destruction, your damnation, he delights in repentance. Men turn from their sin. Often you have sat in church. Often you have heard the sound of the gospel. Often you have felt the strivings of the Spirit of God in your heart. Often you have listened to the plea of a preacher. And often you knew what you ought to do. But you didn't do it. Often you have been made to think about your circumstances. So I ask the question tonight to you tonight. How often... I'm repeating the words of Christ. How often? Maybe only God can give the true count of how often you have received the opportunities, the persistent call of God to your heart. Then I want you to notice that there is a, in the fourth place, a protecting care. How often the Lord says here in verse 37, would I have gathered thy ch children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings and ye would not. Christ constantly stood with outstretched hands ready to save. We know that. Ready to redeem. Ready to gather these people. He says so here. How often would I have gathered thee? He uses this marvelous illustration of the, the chicken and the hen and the hens, or the hen and the chickens, rather. Often he would have gathered the wandering souls to himself. Often he would have taken the, the Jews into the church. He would have drawn the citizens of Jerusalem under divine care. And this picture of the hen gathering her chickens under her wings is, is one really of, of love, the love that the, chick, that the hen has for her chicks, to protect them, to put them into a place of safety. As the hen gathers her chickens beneath her wings for protection, care, warmth, and comfort, so Christ says he would do that. 
for the Jewish people. Oh, there's healing on the wings of Christ, and praise God, there's safety on the wings of Christ. And that picture is not a new picture to the New Testament. It's, it's a, one that's used in the Old Testament too, of God putting his wings around his people. And my friend, if you're a, a Christian in this meeting tonight, you're under the wings of God. You're under the protection of God. You're safeguarded by him. And if you're not a Christian, how often the Lord would have brought you to the same place. He would have gathered you to that place of protection and safety, but you would not. And that brings me on to my final thought. There is this pathetic carelessness. In the words, and ye would not, Christ would. He says so himself often, and ye would not. On another occasion, speaking to the Jews of Jerusalem in chapter 5 of the Gospel of John, verse 40, he says, And ye will not come to me that ye might be saved. What a lamentation that is, as the Lord looked at these people, these Jewish people, and he says, And ye would not come that ye might have life. Oh, there was willful refusal of his grace and mercy. He was willing to save but they were not willing to be saved. They loved their sin more. They trusted in their righteousness more. Here's the reason why men are ruined. Here's the reason why men are lost and damned forevermore. You don't need to look any further than here in the Word of God as to why men die in their sin and they go out into a lost eternity. Why? Because they would not they refuse to come. I think of Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. I mentioned Stephen being stoned to death. He mentioned the witness that he gave before the Sanhedrin. And as he stands before the Jewish people prior to his death, we have the account of what he said in chapter 7. And in verse 51, he says, Ye stiff-necked, and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, and ye would not. If you go to hell, my friends, it's not because Christ was not willing to save you. It is because you have willed yourself and you will not. Or as the Lord puts it here, and you would not. You would not come. I would have gathered you. I would have brought you under my care and my protection. I would have saved you. I've called you many times. How often have I sought to do this? But you would not. Is that you tonight in this service? And at this moment, there's still a willful rejection of the Savior in your heart. I want to tell you as we close tonight that Christ loves you. The same Savior that wept over Jerusalem, that pleaded with the Jewish people of that city so many times, he's still the Redeemer of man, He's still the compassionate Savior. 
and his hands are still towards the disobedient and again saying people. And he still says, come, come to me. All ye that are weak and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come for all things are now ready. That word come really is the summary of the gospel invitation. Jesus Christ would want you to come. And you still say no and you will not. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, we do learn from your word. We see the Lord on this occasion, an occasion of triumph when we think of what happened in the account given to us by Luke. Thousands gathered hailing him as the king and he weeps over that city. And now here we're told by the gospel writer Matthew of how he wept over the city again. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thee? And they would not. Lord, am I right in saying that the Lord tonight at the right hand of the Father, he's still looking down in the congregations like this, more than Valimony tonight, right throughout the land, throughout the nation, where meetings like this are taking place and the opportunity to get right with God is given and the Savior is present to save. And he's pleading with men to come, to be gathered, to be gathered to safety, gathered under his wings of protection, to be saved for time and eternity. And like so many times in times past, men will not. And the Lord looks down and he says, and ye would not, I would, but ye would not. Oh, God, break the stubborn heart. Give a melting within. Defeat the devil and the world and the flesh that would rise up to bring opposition now to the gospel. Lord, we pray for the defeat of the enemy of our souls. Make it easy for sinners to come. <coughs> Help them to sense and feel their need of a Savior. And may they turn. Why, the Lord Jesus Christ and mercy is pleading. And may they steer that course for him. Come to know him. Get under his protection for time and eternity. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Sinner, how thy heart is troubled. God is coming very near. Do not hide thy deep emotion. Do not check that falling tear. It's often be, been our appeal from this pulpit. Oh, be saved. His grace is free. Oh, be saved. He died for thee. Will you be saved tonight? When you come to Christ? Throw down those arms of rebellion. Come to the Savior. Come without delay. Come now. And if we can help you, that's why we're here. Let's stand and sing our closing
Heavenly Father, we, we sense that compassion of the Saviour when he cried, O Jerusalem. We sense it again in the hymn as we have appealed to sinners here tonight. Oh, be saved. His grace is free. May they turn and seek the Lord with all of their heart. Come to know him. Come to know their sins forgiven. Come to know the certainty and assurance of heaven forevermore. Bless your word and apply it by the Holy Spirit to every heart. And dismiss us now with your blessing for Jesus' sake. Amen. <laughs>